great. Thank you, guys. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for a kind welcome. I got to be honest with you. I'm an emotional wreck right now. That song killed me. Uh, the lyrics to that tune with the creation behind it. I mean, uh, the band and people who put that together, we need to thank those guys for doing that. That was, that was amazing. So I, am, I, I feel so honored to be here. I, I've been uh, really looking forward to this for a long time. I have great respect and admiration and love for Benji and his family. I've heard so many great things about what God is doing at, at New Hope and through New Hope. Uh, plus, North Carolina is one of my favorite places on earth. I mean, I grew up in Kentucky, and we would vacation in North Carolina all the time, over in Asheville a bunch, and on the coast at Holden Beach, uh, North Carolina, I mean, for years and years and years. So I really could not wait to get here this weekend. Now, in the coming weeks, uh, Benji's going to uh, be talking about what it really means to engage in the life of New Hope. And I hope you're here for, for all those weeks. But more importantly, he's going to talk about how, how do we really like sync up with the living God. Sync up in a way that brings life and passion and freedom and confidence and a deep sense of authentic community and contentment in our soul. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about syncing up with God. Now, living in this incredible age of technology, we know more than ever what it means to sync up right? We, we sync up our Bluetooth, we sync up our personal hotspots, our Dropbox accounts, our calendars, our social media feeds. We can sync up to the Wi-Fi at Starbucks. We, we know how to sync up. We know how to connect. But did you know that we have been created with Bluetooth connectivity with heaven? Our creator built into you and me the capability to be synced up to him. In fact, to be connected to us, that's his passion. He has always longed to have an intimate relationship with every single one of us. And I know sometimes we all feel like, you know, yeah, I believe in God, but I got to be honest, I don't feel really close to him. I can't really feel his presence. Maybe, like maybe I'm in a dead spot where I can't get service, but it, but, it's, but it seems like I'm like a million miles away from him. You ever been there? Man, I have. So I've been learning there are some things that you and I can do, all of us, to reestablish our connection with God, all kinds of things that keep us synced up, such as allowing God to speak to us through his word. I mean, when you're in his word, when you're reading this living wisdom and truth of God, it just connects you with him. And the word of God starts to act like a GPS of sorts to lead you down the pathway to real freedom. And we do, that's one way we stay synced up. Another way I'm learning is prayer. And I've been learning that prayer is just like a two-way conversation between a couple of people who love each other. That's what prayer is, just constantly all through the day. We have this incredible access to the God of the universe through prayer. It's just a major way that you and I stay connected. And you know what? God's not looking for a whole bunch of polished, churchy-sounding words when we talk to God. We just come to God and talk to him the way we talk, the way we normally talk. I have never one time walked into the kitchen and said to my wife, Debbie, Oh, thou of most radiant beauty, how majestic is your face. You prepared a bountiful feast in the presence of mine offspring. I'll talk to her like that. 
And God's just inviting you and me to come to him and talk the way we talk and unpack our heart with the real rawness in there. It keeps us synced up with God. There's lots of different ways to stay synced up with God, to stay connected. But today, Benji asked me to kick this series off talking about worship. And what's cool about the things I just mentioned is that all three of those things are things we practice when we come together on the weekend and celebrate in this place. I mean, think about it. We open God's word and we learn together. We apply his wisdom and his truth to our life. Uh, It inspires us. It encourages us. It challenges us. it, It stretches us. We come in this place and we pray together. We pray for each other. We pray for other people and we worship God together. Now, let me just clarify this by saying off the bat here, I believe that worship is much more than just singing. In fact, worship is a lifestyle. I've always loved the way the message puts Romans chapter 12. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. I'm talking your sleeping, eating, walking around, going to work kind of life, and just place it before God as an offering. Because embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So worship is a lifestyle. We take our ordinary, sleeping, eating, going to work, going to school, hanging out with friends, playing ball, driving around kind of life, and we just offer it up gratefully to God every day. But there is something really, really significant and even life-changing when we regularly come into environments like this and we celebrate together and we worship God together, and we sing together, and we stand side by side together, and we engage together, and we pour out our hearts together, and we stand in awe and gratitude together. And while we can worship God in more ways than just through music and song and singing, I believe there is something pretty unique about engaging in musical, all of us in this thing together kind of worship that reaches places inside of us that few things do. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, I hear you, man, but honestly, me, I'm not musical at all. That's what you think. Did you know that our bodies are literally full of musical waves? It's in our genes. It's in our chromosomes. It's holding us together. So all of us technically are musical people. It's why science has proven throughout the centuries just how powerful the healing properties of music are. Music therapy is used in recovery. It's used in pain management, anxiety, depression. It can can lower your blood pressure. It can change your uh, metabolic rate. It can reduce muscle tension and joint aches and increases endorphin levels, improves your cognitive skills, enhances your memory, and on and on it goes. You ever watched a movie without a soundtrack? You ever done that? It's awful. It's almost unbearable. It's like, like decaf coffee. Uh, it's like Oreos without the creamy stuff in the middle. It's, it's music that gives that movie life. It's the music in that movie that stirs our emotions deep within us. And that's because music is hardwired inside of us. God put it there. And it's one of the primary ways that you and I sync up with him to open our hearts, to stir our emotions, to remember how great and faithful he is, and to remember just who we are and to give him praise. A couple of friends of mine, uh, Darren Whitehead and Chris Tomlin, recently wrote a little book called Holy Roar. And it kind of walks through seven Hebrew words that are used for the word praise, particularly in the Old Testament of the Bible. 
And I love learning about these words, not so like I can appear to be smarter than I am because I know a few Hebrew words now, uh, but they help me understand how you and I can really connect, stay synced up with God through worship. And I just want to kind of fly through these as some practical ways that we can stay connected and we can sync our hearts with heaven when we come together or when we're singing in the shower or when we're like driving the car. The first one is this, it's yadal, yadal, it's the hands of praise, to revere or to worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands. Now don't do this one while you drive, okay? Just reserve this for times like in here. But it's used 111 times in the Bible as a way of expressing reverence and excitement and awe of who God is. For instance, Psalm 67 verse 3 uses this word. May all the people yada you, God. May all the people yada you. Now, I know for some of us, especially those of us that might be a little more introverted, when we look around and we see people with their hands raised up in worship, you might start thinking, okay, so what's this? These are not my people. This is kind of weird right now. They're too emotional. They're getting really swept up in the moment. I mean, what does that even mean? Are they trying to ask a question? I mean, what's going on with their hand in the air? But I want you to think about this for a second. Lifting our hands is a pretty natural expression when you are, are excited or we're in awe. It happens to me all the time in college basketball season. I'm a basketball junkie. When the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I'm not even an Eagles fan. I'm running around my living room going, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I got my hands in the air. When our kids score a goal or, or when there's a moving encore at a concert or we're standing on top of a mountain in the fall in North Carolina after a hike, you're going, whoo, I'm about to go all Titanic on this thing, you know. It's like, ah. And gang, this is God, the one who created it all the one who spoke the universe into existence. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-loving. He knows every star. He knows every grain of sand. He's got every hair on your head numbered. Easier for him, for me, than other people. He's the inventor of chlorophyll and photosynthesis. He's the maker of DNA, the God who sculpted canyons. He could stand in the depths of the ocean and still be only like ankle deep. He could play marbles with the planets. I, I mean, my team hits a buzzer Peter, and I'm all, oh, and this is God, the one who made me, the one who chased me down in my brokenness, the one who saved me, the one who rescued me, the one who embraced me. So this is simply an expression in worship that just says, yes, yes, God, you are bigger than it all. I'm just simply in awe of you. I'm amazed by you, and I'm just giving you all the reverence and adoration I can muster. Then the second word is the word halal, halal. It's the fool's appraise, kind of a next step. It means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. There, there, this, this word is used in Psalm 149, verse 3, where it says, let them halal his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. This is the kind of worship where our attitude isn't casual at all about what God has done for us. But we come ready to celebrate. And we may sing, and we may stand, and we may dance, and we may clap out of, out of rhythm, and we may look like a fool. But we were created to halal, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish in the presence of God. 
I, I, one of my favorite nights of the year where I get to see this firsthand is a night that we call in, in our church uh, a night to remember. Uh, some of you might have seen the Tim Tebow Foundation sponsors some of these in churches called A Night to Shine. Uh, we've been involved in, for over 20 years in churches that throw proms for special needs students in our community. And thousands of people show up, thousands of volunteers, um, people that often get neglected, get honored as just VIPs. I'm talking limo rides, uh, dresses and, and hair and makeup and tuxes and paparazzi lining red carpets, snapping pictures and cheering as every guest gets announced. It's, it's unbelievable. And you get out there on the dance floor with everybody and hardly anybody out there is a quote unquote good dancer. And even though there's like a DJ and he's not really like playing worship music, I got to tell you, it is still worship. It is people who are willing to be clamorously foolish just to love on other people who don't get love pushed their way very often. To express God's love, God's heart to them. To show the extravagant love of God to those who sometimes feel left out. And when I see it, there's this connection. There's this sinking up of heaven and earth. And I look at the crowd, I always go, oh, such is the kingdom of heaven. And I think God loves that kind of clamorously foolish celebration. Then there's the word zamar. Zamar, it's to make music, to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. Uh, it's used in Psalm 144, verse 9, where David wrote, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praise, Zamar, to you. Anybody here play a musical instrument that's maybe not in the band? Uh, I, I play a little guitar. When I say a little, I mean like a little I learned five chords, taught my son five chords. He knows 500. I still know five. First song I ever learned to play was Wasting Away Again in Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. That's, my, that's about the only song I can play still today. Uh, that's why I'm so grateful for talented musicians like this that get up on a stage every weekend after practicing all week long, many as volunteers just to practice their craft and to get up here and lead churches like this in Zamar. That's what they're doing. When the band cranks it up every weekend, it isn't showtime. It's not, not a performance. I mean, nobody wants the spotlight. Everybody's just trying to throw a huge floodlight on God. I, I watched a friend just a few weeks ago who plays drums, incredible drummer. And I was, I'm just watching him out of all the guys in the band because I know his story. I know him well. I know all about his addictions and his struggles and uh, jail time, all kinds of stuff. He's been clean for a few years now after he gave his life to Christ. But I was watching him play. And when it got to a part, a certain part in this song, I could see his intensity start to crank up because the lyrics started matching his story. And I watched him play. I mean, he's got tears running down his face. He's just playing a little extra. And I thought, Zamar, that's what that is. Now, you might be thinking, well, I hear you again, man. But honestly, I'm not a singer, like, at all. I'm terrible. Can't carry a tune in a bucket. I got a buddy in Kentucky who used to say to me, I hear you, bro, but I'm, I'm a jailhouse singer. So what's a jailhouse singer? I'm, a I'm behind a few bars and can't find the key. <laughs> but, oh, okay, man, that's stupid, but that might describe you. But let me just push back a little bit on that. I believe you are a singer. Like all of creation, again, it's been hardwired within us. It's, there's an internal song. I mean, just watch a little kid. They sing and they dance and nobody had to tell them to. And they think they sound great, right? 
It's hardwired within us. We were made in the image of God. So for a Christ follower, singing to God really isn't an option. It's a directive. It's it's command. You go, okay, I hear you, man, but really I'm like an awful singer. Good news. Here's what I think. It's just my own theory. I think God transposes it on the way up. By the time it gets to heaven, it sounds awesome. I mean, you're like Bruno Mars to God when it gets up there. In fact, here's my other theory. I think God has a huge refrigerator door in heaven. Now, what do you do when your kids like do an art project in school, they bring it home, you put it right on the refrigerator door. It isn't gallery worthy whatsoever, but you hang it up for everybody to see why. Because your kid did it. I think God has a huge refrigerator door in heaven. He says, look what my kid did right there. My kid sang that right there. So even if you never get a four chair turn on the voice, you will turn the one chair that really, really matters. That's, that's it. Next word is tadao, tadao. That means an extension of the hand, thanksgiving, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving for things not yet received, a choir of worshipers. This is syncing up with God when you say, I don't understand my life right now. Things are hard, but I trust you. And I believe you have the best for me. I can connect my soul with you and it brings me great, great comfort. I will offer you a sacrifice of praise. I will give you thanksgiving for things that I have not yet received. I will give you thanksgiving even though my circumstances might not have changed because I believe that you are good. David believed this. He was a songwriter. He wrote these words in Psalm 56. He says, in God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. I mean, what can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render to Tao to you. Now, you need to know that David wrote that psalm when he was on the run from a lunatic king. He was hiding in caves for his life. When he didn't know how it was going to turn out, even in that, he says, you know what? I'm going to extend my hands toward God, and I will say, I will praise you for who you are, and I will just trust you for whatever's coming my way. I used to lead worship quite a bit, and one weekend I, I was leading, I looked out in a section just right over here, and one of my favorite people in the world was, was a lady named Fanny Hamilton. Uh, Fanny was 85 years old, and she worked with our high school students. I mean, she, the, our, our kids loved Fanny Hamilton. And uh, I would look out, she'd be sitting in a group of a whole bunch of high school kids worshiping. And Fanny had a stroke, and it paralyzed the right side of her body, so it took her a long time to get ready for church, but someone always made sure she was there. I looked out one day when I was leading worship, and it just wrecked me. Uh, Fanny was standing there with all these high school students, and she took her left hand, her good hand, and reached over and grabbed her bad hand and just raised it up to God as if to say, even in this, I'm just grateful for who you are. The next word is Barak. It means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration, to, play, to praise, to salute, to thank. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2 puts it like this. Barak the Lord, my soul. We sing that song. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Barak the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. This is a posture of worship where you're saying, this is not about me. It's not about me. It's humbling ourselves. It's lowering ourselves. It's keeping our eyes on God who is worthy of worship. Again, this is from my own personal experience. And I've been around church for a long time. Sometimes we, me, 
can approach worship as consumers. We'll ask, how was church today? Eh, it's all right. It's pretty good. Oh, it was great. It's kind of boring. I'll give it a seven, maybe no, a six. There was some new bald guy there. And on top of that, we, we didn't really sing any songs I like, and that one song was super loud, right? I've discovered that when that happens to me, and sometimes it does, then the focus becomes my experience and my wants and my needs and my musical tastes. And I start to approach worship as a me-centered consumer rather than a grateful somebody who comes to be consumed by the almighty God. And I'm telling you guys, that shift of it's not about me, this Barack thing, which I have to continually surrender to, it's been changing me because it's getting my eyes off of me and on him. Tehillah means a hymn or a song of praise or a new song, a spontaneous song. Now, how many of you guys kind of like grew up in church? Anybody grow up in church where you know a lot of old hymns and stuff? Aren't some of those old hymns just great? I heard one song not long ago. It was an old hymn, but they kind of put, new, put it in new clothes. It was so refreshing. The lyrics were so rich and deep, and it was, it was so good. I, I love old songs, but I also really, really love brand new songs. Last week, I went up to one of the guys in the worship team and said, dude, you got to tell me, what was that song? That song was, like the one we did today, is like, I want to know the name of that song. That was an awesome song, because sometimes the lyrics articulate exactly what you're trying to say to God. I'm so grateful for people that can write songs. David, again, he was a songwriter. He wrote this in the book of Psalms. He says, he put a new song in my mouth, a tehillah, a hymn of, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Maybe some of you are songwriters. You're kind of good with writing a lyric. It might not be a, you might not be able to put the notes to it, but you can write some lyrics. It just kind of flows out of you. Or maybe you're just able to like make up a little melody and put some words to it when you're in the shower or maybe you're out on a morning jog and it just kind of comes to you and you're able to do that. My daughter Jody is that way. And for her, it normally comes out in the form of like a spoken word. Her tequila sounds more like a rap. Uh, for, for instance, she, she just wrote this just a few months back. This blew me away. It's under my skin, on the tip of my tongue and bursting within. The beat of my heart pounds like a cymbal. It races and paces, keeping right, just the right tempo. Like I was made to worship, made to sing a new song, made in his image for his glory all along. That every strand of DNA, every strand of hair gone gray, every breath that breaks away, every ounce my body weighs will not let the music stay. The melody can't be kept at bay. My lungs swell up and rush to say, my God, you are worthy at your feet I lay. All of me, mind, strength, and soul, I offer my praise, surrender control. My vocal cords tremble, hands stretched to the sky. I dance, shout, clap, skip, applaud, and amplify your name, your fame, your splendor, your renown, your brightness, your rightness. I humbly fall down before the rocks cry out. I will make a sound as your prized creation. My worship abounds. There is a song in me. And guess what? You not, might not be able to articulate it like that, but there's a song in you too. And lastly, there's the Shabbat, the shout of praise, to address in a loud tone, to shout, to commend glory and triumph. I love what it says in Psalm 145, verse 4, where this word is used. One generation will Shabbat your works to another. They tell of your mighty 
Acts. And gang, isn't it cool that you and I get to be a part of shouting God's goodness and grace and hope to this broken world and to do it from one generation to the next as we engage, as we connect, as we sync up with God in worship, it becomes this joy-filled, hope-filled anthem that resounds. You know, one of the coolest things about worship is that when we do it, not only do we get to do it together like inside of a room, at the same time, all of creation, everything in creation was made to give God praise. There's not only music like in here, there's not only music like in here, there's music out there. I've been doing some fascinating reading lately about how there is music everywhere. There is music in the solar system. Cosmic overtones are everywhere. Everything in our universe, all of creation is vibrating and radiating musical tones or waves. Now, most of these tones we can't hear because our ears aren't able to, but science shows us that we are literally being bombarded with music constantly. In other words, all creation is singing. For instance, they've discovered this black hole out there that plays a concert B-flat tone, 57 octaves lower than any tone the human ear can actually hear, or 63 octaves lower than Barry White. But it's just, it's just out there, it's just out there ringing music, kind of setting the whole key. Now, have you guys ever heard of, of a guy named Pythagoras? If you took geometry in high school, you probably know him for his sweet theory on, on a, finding a hypotenuse of a triangle. Kind of, he's known as Mr. Triangle in, in geometry terms. But he was actually a Greek uh, scientist and philosopher who lived around 500 BC. And along with a secret society of fellow scientists and mathematicians and astronomers, they spent time together working out the science and math found in nature, and they ended up stumbling upon what has come to be known as the math of music. I read in one article, just track with me here for a moment, the Pythagoreans used music to heal the body and to elevate the soul, yet they believed that earthly music was no more than a faint echo of the universal harmony of the spheres. Each planetary sphere was said to correspond to a different note of a grand musical scale. The particular tones emitted by the planets depended upon the ratios of their respective orbits, just as the tone of a lyre string depended upon its length. There was this intriguing science way, way back that began to understand that there was a celestial harmony of the solar system, that all the planets were actually singing together. So scientists and philosophers and mathematicians of the ancient world like Plato and Cicero and Copernicus and Galileo, they began to comp contemplate this music of the spheres. And then this brilliant guy who lived in like 1600, his name was Johann Kepler. You might've heard of him. He calculated that if each planet revolved around the sun at a certain harmonic distance, then the solar system would basically be this giant musical instrument creating kind of a cosmic symphony. And what's so cool is that NASA and all the satellites out there have been picking up these electromagnetic vibrations that actually make the music in space, much like the vibration on the string of a, of a musical instrument. And modern scientists agree today that Kepler's findings are frighteningly good, that there really is this music of the spheres. And what is really cool to me 
is that one of the things that propelled Kepler to do the research was a passage of scripture found in the Old Testament of the Bible from the book of Job where God asked Job, were you there at the creation of the world when the heavenly bodies sang in harmony? There's music out there. Bernie Krause is a scientist, a musician, who spends most of his days out in the wild. He records uh, sounds of nature like wolves and whales and cracking ice. Uh, I listened to a recording that he made with his super high-tech equipment. He recorded exploding cells inside the sap of a cottonwood tree. It is an incredible listen. It's like this world-class percussionist playing this incredibly sophisticated rhythm. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. And the point I'm trying to make with all this fascinating stuff is that all creation actually is praising its creator. As I told you, we spent a lot of our summer months over on the coast about three, out, we, uh, from, from, uh, about three hours from here, I guess, in Holden Beach, North Carolina. Now that we live on the other coast in Ventura, California, we don't get to go there often. But I'm telling you, every time, Growing up that I went to the beach, every time now that I go sit on the beach, I think of this scripture from Psalm 93 where it says, the seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted their pounding waves. When, when, I, when I go to Kentucky and I see the green grass and the fields, and uh, I'll think of Psalm 96. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the, the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and the crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise. When I drive through North Carolina and see some of these whitewater rapids, I, I think in Psalm 98, let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. I love what it says in Isaiah 55 about the mountains. You will live in joy and peace, and the mountains and the hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. In Psalm 19, every time I see a sunset, I think, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of its hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And listen, the stars do a pretty stellar job. And waterfalls do a magnificent job. Over 600 species of beetles. I don't know why God did that. But they chirp their praise. Mountains and beaches and prairies and fields and rain and snowfall all join in. And if all creation sings God's praise, so will I. In fact, in fact, since we are his most prized creation, don't you think we ought to be the loudest? We are his rescued sons and daughters, created in his image to connect with the lover of our soul. My buddy T.D. Oaks is a worship leader, a great friend of mine. He writes this, in a loud world of dissonance, man, that describes it, doesn't it? Worship is our opportunity to retune our lives to Christ. It's in worship that we hear again the clear tone of God. Remember his goodness, his love, and adjust our lives to match him. It's just like tuning an instrument or an orchestra. You need a key note or tone to tune to for everything to match up. 
and allow us to play together. And that's what worship does. Slows us down, focuses our heart, and and lives on the ultimate key note, our creator, God, Father, and Savior. Gang, there's music out there. There's music in here. And there's music in here. What do you say we sync up? Let's pray. Father, so grateful for the opportunity to come together on weekends and and worship you and slow our lives down and get our eyes off ourselves, get our eyes off our problems and just come to you and be as real and raw as we can be to bring our hurts, to bring our struggles, to bring our circumstances before you and just ask for your help and ask for your peace. But in the process, give thanks for, for whatever's going on in our life. God, I, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful no matter what life is doing to us, life and you are not the same. Life can be hard, but you are always good. And you're always faithful. And God, we know that, that through the cross, you prove that you love us beyond belief. That, that, that you would lay down your life on a hill that you created so that we could go free. And we could live forever with you in heaven. So grateful, God. And as long as we're here, and we, we know we're going to get to do it for eternity. But as long as we're here on this planet, we want to join in all creation. And we want to sing and we want to praise you. And we want to glorify you and magnify you, make you appear bigger than you even are. God, we want to be the people that do that. And so, God, I, I pray that every weekend when we come together, that our worship would be true and pure and sincere and gratitude-filled. And that we would reconnect our souls to the lover of that soul. And I pray all this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.